This is the Early Link Podcast. I'm Rafael Otto. Today I'm speaking with Glenn Cooper, one of the founders of Circle of Security International, a program based in Spokane, Washington, that offers training around the world on early intervention models to increase attachment and security between parents and their children. Circle of Security was founded in 1998. Glenn's background includes 40 years of experience in social services with extensive training in family therapy and systems, object relations, and attachment theory, all of which are part of the Circle of Security approach to working with families. Glenn, welcome. Thank you. It's good to be here. Could you start by telling me about Circle of Security and how the program was developed? The program really was developed because myself, Bert Powell, Kent Hoffman, were looking for ways to better serve the families in our practice. We were all therapists in private practice. And we got interested in attachment theory, and mostly by Kent's interest, he drew us along and had the opportunity to study attachment in the preschool years with Jude Cassidy on over a five-day workshop. And we were all stunned with the power and the specificity that that she had to offer. And so at the end of the five days, we were hungry for more. We convinced her to do her graduate seminar in attachment, which we should have been able to do in one semester. It took us two years meeting weekly over the phone because we were so excited. And of course, we had to argue with everything. And and that launched a friendship and working partnership with Dr. Cassidy that continues today. Somehow in this process of learning it and figuring out how we could help our clients, we developed this circle security idea, which took off and people got excited about it and wanted more. And that slowly evolved into the whole protocol that now has, has taken off. Let's talk about attachment theory as a foundational component of circle of security. Can you say more about what it is and what it means for both family and professional relationships uh, when it comes to young children? Absolutely. Really, attachment theory in childhood is the instinct that children have to stay close enough to a protective adult to survive, and at the same time, when it's safe, to explore and learn enough so that someday they can become that protective adult. And so there's a reciprocal relationship between closeness and going out to explore, And that's all tied into the role of the caregiver to be able to provide protection when necessary and and support for learning uh, when it's safe to do so. And this is so simple. We have to wonder why it took so long for John Bowlby to come along and see this. And he, he got to this through his studies as a Freudian analysis and was unsatisfied with some of the answers that Freud offered and began to look at animal studies of attachment and and real human beings and how uh, deprivation from uh, connection with the parent seemed so costly. And he started to put together a theory that helped explain why the relationship with the parent is so vital, not only as children, but throughout a lifetime. And and relationship is key to who we are as humans. Circle of Security then pulls together 
family systems theory, object relations theory, and attachment theory. Could you talk about each of those just a bit and describe how they're related in your approach to intervention? Well, Bert and Kent and I started working and studying together through the, the process of learning family systems approach. And family systems really focuses on context and process. In other words, the family therapist, especially back in the day, argued that who we were was dependent on the context we were in. So I used some procedures when I was with my parents, different procedures when I was with my children or friends or colleagues, uh, and that who I was changed from context to context because I used different procedures. Mm-hmm. And I, even though I may talk about the very same things in each of those contexts, somehow it's very different. When I was teaching family therapy to help students understand this difference between context and process, um, I would do a role play. And I would ask one student to role play a father, one a mother, one a son, one a daughter. And I would write out on the little three-by-five card their process. So dad's card may say, always agree with your son and disagree with your wife. Moms may say, take your daughter's side and ignore your husband, argue with your son. Um, (laughs) And and sisters may say, you know, ignore your brother, fight with your dad, whatever these, these processes are. And then I would keep changing the content. I'd say, okay, now uh, you guys are going to buy a new car. Talk as a family about what kind of car you should buy. And they would use that process and talk about that. Then I'd switch it and say, your daughter's not doing well in school. Talk about her latest report card. And now they're talking about that using the very same procedure. Right? And then, you know, you're doing a family vacation. Where do you want to go on vacation? And they all follow what's on the card. Understanding what's written on people's card gives you a way to help them change that process. And so family therapy really was about understanding what was written on each person's card and then giving them uh, some other options on how to change the process. Okay. Yeah, the problem was there was no theory of personality in this. Uh, We carry something from one context to another. And so... At some point, Bert and Kent and I all got very interested in, in what's his personality? And we began to look at object relations theory and specifically the work of James Masterson. And uh, Masterson's theory is centered on how people uh, manage their fear of abandonment. And he felt like there were three strategies that people use. Some people uh, stay close by being needy or needed. Some people try to keep people close by being perfect, powerful, rich, perform the best at everything. And those theories are both very different than the third strategy, which is that some people try to find a compromise between feeling suffocated and enslaved versus isolated and exiled. And once we begin to understand these three personality structures, and apply that to the parents that we were working with with families, it really changed the game and also gave us a way to work with clients individually. But there was still something missing, and it wasn't like we had this all thought out and we had a big map of filling in these pieces, but life just unfolded, right? Right, right. (laughs) 
And we came upon attachment theory, which is just the flip side of abandonment, right? right? Masterson was focused on the fear of abandonment, and Bowlby was focused on what secure attachment looks like. And so once we had a, a map for what relationships could be and what healthy relationships are, it really changed the game again for us, and we had to reevaluate everything we thought we knew about relationships, both with our clients and and in our personal lives. And out of that, the three pieces came together and became the Circle of Security. Circle of Security is designed to work with parents or families, and it's also um, you you also have the option to train people on how to deliver Circle of Security. Uh, so if I were a parent participating in Circle of Security, um, what could I expect? Tell me, tell me what that process would uh, look like, what it might feel like, and what I might expect over a period of time working with you. Well, here's the thing that we really try to help parents understand, that the best way to bring about positive change in our children is to bring about positive change in ourselves. And so circle security approach is looking more at the parents being able to reflect on themselves than trying to fix the child. Mm -hmm. And this is a, a difficult undertaking. It's very vulnerable to, to say, okay, what do I need to do different so that my child can be more attentive or better behaved or you know, whatever the issue is. So parents, we try to tell them this, but usually somewhere through the process, it becomes really clear that we're asking them to reflect on not only what they know about relationship or think about relationship, but who they are in relationship and how they behave in relationship. And all those things need to shift so that the child can have their relationship needs met. Sounds like quite a complex process. Well, it is. You know, Bowlby wrote his famous trilogy, three volumes on attachment, and and quite honestly, it's it's a tough read. And we tried to take those three volumes and put them on one page. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just what we do. And we had a huge amount of help from the Head Start parents we were working with because, honestly, they were not shy about telling us when they thought we were just full of baloney or they didn't know what we were talking about. Or So through that process with working with these parents, they really helped us simplify and say it in plain language in a way that, that they could not only understand but make use of. The problem with that is it seems so simple sometimes people look at it and say oh there's nothing to this when in fact it's the simplicity on the other side of this mountain of complexity that that Bowlby and other researchers have brought to attachment theory. Part of your background includes working with Head Start in Spokane, work as a preschool teacher and director of a preschool for low-income children, and working with children who have suffered significant trauma Talk about how Circle of Security can be applied to professional development for adults working with young children. We began to realize that, that teachers and child care providers and foster parents are all professionals who greatly benefit from understanding this relationship approach to helping children. Christine, my wife, and I were foster parents for a number of years, and looking back on that, I think it would have been so 
much better if we had had some understanding of the relationship aspect of being a foster parent. Uh, we were really trained in how to manage behaviors and, you know, do rewards and punishments and on and on. What was really missing in that is what needs these children came with. And it really is, I think, the heart of foster parenting, for example, to sort out how to engage these children into a secure relationship. Could you say more about how that would have changed your experience as a foster parent? Well, yeah, we, we were really looking at children as their behavior. And if we could terminate certain behaviors and, and activate other behaviors, then we think we had done the job. Uh, what we were missing is that children, especially foster children, were coming with a tremendous sense of abandonment and huge needs for relationship. And they didn't have typically any experience in what a secure relationship looked like. So I think of our one little uh, foster child who was in the first grade, and he's off on the bus and he's having trouble on the bus. So the therapist and the bus driver and the aide all worked out some behavioral program to manage behavior on the bus. His behavior got better on the bus and then he started having problems on the playground. And so the therapist and the playground aides got together and came up with a behavioral approach and, and they got his behavior under control in the playground, but he started acting up in the classroom. So the teachers and the teacher aide and the therapist got together and he did better in the classroom. He started acting up at home with us. What we were missing is that behavior was really communication about needs and distress that he had. And by terminating the behaviors, we were really stifling his communication. And if we didn't address the need and meet it at the front door, it was going to kick in the back door. It was going to come mm -hmm. out somewhere. And I always think of that game whack-a-mole, uh, you know, where, sure. where you have the hammer and the mole comes up and you try to whack it before it goes down and it comes up someplace <laughs> else. That was very popular among my therapist friends because it felt like that was our our task in life. You know, we were just trying to whack these behaviors and they kept popping up someplace else. And until you respond to the underlying need, they're just going to keep popping up somewhere. I wish I had known that as a foster parent. I mean, we sort of figured that out as the years went by, but we were trying to figure it out on our own. And I wish I'd had a clearer sense of what the relationship needs were that we could have met and instead of chasing the behaviors around. So obvious application for professional development for adults working with young children then as well. Say more about that for professionals uh, working with young kids. Right. Um, so, yeah, when you think of child care providers uh, or preschool teachers and teachers, at the heart of children's capacity to learn is feeling safe in, in the relationship or the context they're in. So if children come from a family where they don't feel safe in a neighborhood where they don't feel safe into a classroom where they don't feel safe their ability to learn is is really low it's true for any of us you know if there was poisonous snakes crawling around your office and you were trying to read a professional article your ability to pay attention to that would be just about zero and so 
for teachers to provide this context where children feel safe, at least in their classroom, uh, really significantly enhances the child's ability to learn. And so for teachers to understand that and to have some tools to invite these children into a secure relationship uh, becomes critical, almost foundational to the learning process. Now, some children come from secure families and safe neighborhoods and they walk in, they anticipate that the teacher is going to offer them secure relationship and they're ready to learn. In our Head Start population, in the research we did, about 60% of the children in our study had what's called disorganized attachment, meaning they didn't feel safe. They were always mm -hmm. afraid always on the verge of losing emotional behavioral control, and they didn't see adults as a resource. Right. And so this was a very different task for, for these teachers to take on, is how am I going to convince this child that while they're in my classroom, I will keep them safe, even if their own parents don't do that for them. And so we provide some tools to begin that process. How would you describe circle of security when it is most effective? And if you could talk about what those results might look like. Well, on a good day, you're working with parents who have significant struggle, and they are able to make what we call an empathic shift. In other words, they begin to see the world through their child's or children's eyes and can resonate with the emotional experience of their children so that they can meet those emotional and relationship needs. And what happens is these children are like the whack-a-mole. Their behavior is popping up here and there and everywhere, and parents aren't responding to the underlying needs because they, they don't even know what those are. With circle security, suddenly they have some way to think about those needs and can begin to address them with, with the child rather than focusing on on the behavior. Uh, we, we talk about it as uh, behavior being like a smoke alarm. And if the smoke alarm goes off and the parent grabs a fire extinguisher and it hoses off the alarm, the kitchen burns down. The behaviors are alerting parents to an underlying need and distress and if parents can begin to address those needs and stressors, then the behaviors smooth out. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, that's great. Thank you. We recently featured a story about incarcerated mothers at the Coffee Creek Correctional Facility here in Oregon who participate in Circle of Security training with one of the, the local trainers uh, here in Portland. Could you talk about the unique challenges incarcerated parents face? Yes. You know, I think people in jail in some ways are the poorest of the poor. Uh, the accumulated burdens that are resting on their shoulder is overwhelming. And if you add parenting to that, it really does make it a very difficult way to try to, to take care of your children. Partially because people don't come typically out of a healthy family life and a healthy school experience and suddenly they end up in jail. That the, the studies are pretty clear that people that are incarcerated have histories of, of abuse and violence and neglect and drug and alcohol problems and just on and on and on. And, and often no sense of even what healthy parenting would look like and 
typically they're separated from the children they're trying to parent. And how do you go about doing that? And our approach is to look at ways to give them more access to their children. Uh, so at Coffee Creek, through their interaction at Head Start, uh, we did a project in Baltimore with their prison system where the parents actually lived with their babies, still a lockup uh, diversion program. And then you give those parents some way to think about what healthy relationship would look like and how that contrasts with their own experience. And so invite them into reflective dialogue about what worked and didn't work for them and, and what their children need and how they can go about meeting their children's needs. Even though it doesn't feel natural, it isn't what they know, it may even feel scary to meet their children's needs, they can override those feelings and uh, step up and give their children what they need. Really trying to break some of those uh, family patterns that they they might have experienced themselves. Absolutely. You know, if you if you never have been comforted or cuddled or cared for, it probably is going to feel very awkward and maybe even wrong to offer that to your child. And you may have lots of fears that well they're going to be spoiled or they're you know not going to grow up and be tough enough to face the challenges of the world and so on and so forth. And so it really is overcoming a lot just for some of these simple pieces of invite your child in, listen to their their emotional needs, comfort and protect, help them make sense of their world. So so it, it really is starting from a very difficult position and then building on that. Now, the good news is Circle Security has been able to help parents do that. Um, in in our Baltimore project, uh, which was a bigger sample space, most of the parents at the end of the year had secure relationships with their children, which is completely shocking and surprising. Wonderful, wonderful. It, and circle of security in the clinical approach, it's um, these are time intensive and resource intensive. And so there is a question of, of being able to make sure those resources are available to support parents. Could you also talk about what you're doing or what Circle of Security has done with video and translation to make the Circle of Security approach more accessible? Yeah, our, our original model was quite labor-intensive. We would videotape the parents and their children and and in the laboratory and do interviews with the parents. And we would then take the film from their interaction with their child and edit that and show it to the parent and show them both their strengths. You know, here you are comforting your child, even if it's just for half a second. And their struggles, here you are, your child clearly needs comfort and you're handing them a toy. And we would use those videotapes through a six-month process meeting with parents to help them understand uh, attachment theory and their specific struggle with it. The problem was we were helping tens of families this way, and there was a, a lot of pressure for us to find a more scalable way to get this information out there. And that's when Circle Security Parenting was developed. So parents now, instead of looking at videotapes of themselves, are looking at archival footage of parents and children interacting and then making sense out of where they struggle and, and what their strengths are. And so 
we remove this obstacle of all the training and time it takes to be able to do these video reviews and we can meet the needs of many, many more parents. We hate to lose the clinical model because for some parents, I think it's necessary. For many parents, they can benefit from the Circle Security Parenting video approach. We have a lot of anecdotal information from people all over the world that the Circle Security Parenting is being helpful to parents. And we also have some research that supports this, pilot research in, in New Zealand that had very positive outcomes. Research in Australia is showing positive signs. A couple of places in the U.S. have done research and we're getting significant indications that Circle Security is having an impact on parents. We'd love to have more research and bigger sample spaces, and it's very slow and expensive to do that kind of research. But at this point, the signs are very positive that social security is making significant difference for families. Glenn, it was wonderful speaking with you today. Thank you so much for your time. Well, thank you, and I always enjoy talking about parents and children um, because I think it's critical to who we are as a people, and hopefully we can find more and more ways to support that process. If you would like to learn more about Circle of Security, please visit circleofsecurityinternational.com. This is the Early Link Podcast brought to you by Children's Institute. Children's Institute is working to ensure a strong beginning for Oregon's children. If you have a moment, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. You can also find episodes on our website at childinst.org.